From GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz events. I'm Joel McCower. I think it's critical that one looks at that holistically and says, okay, how can we address this problem or this challenge around water usage, but do it in a way that uh, we can reduce our costs, improve our yields, and pull all of that together. That was Todd Brady, Director of Global Public Affairs and Sustainability at Intel. He sat down with Pedro Sancha, Senior Vice President at Nalco Water, a subsidiary of Ecolab, and Michelle Wiley, Senior Director of Client Engagement from the Sustainability Program at Lando Lakes, in a conversation with GreenBiz Editorial Director Heather Clancy. They talked about how to drive the circular economy of water and the technology needed to further water management and stewardship. Let's listen in. We had a wonderfully evocative um, opening presentation earlier on the imperative of handling and thinking about water in a fundamentally different way. Um, And that's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes on this this panel. I have a terrific group with me. Um, Michelle Wiley is the Chief Engagement um, and Senior Director of at Landa Lakes for the Sustain program there. Landa Lakes is one of the country's biggest cooperatives. So she will be speaking about this issue from the perspective of the food system, right? Stewardship from farmers to food companies. We also have Pedro Sanchez. He is the Senior Vice President at Ecolab and General Manager of the Nalco Water Division. And that Ecolab is a, a company that has more than 3 million customer locations and across 40 different industries, they have helped their customers save 171 billion gallons of water. And that is enough to to, uh, serve the drinking needs of 590 million people. So pretty impressive results already. And we are also joined by Todd Brady, the Director of Global Public Affairs and Sustainability at Intel Corporation. And this is a company I know very well as a former tech journalist, but since 1998, The company has invested more than $234 million, that's probably a slightly outdated number, um, but in water conservation measures. And a year ago, the company made a very bold commitment um, to return 100% of its global water use by 2025. So I wanted to start, Todd, with you, because water management and water stewardship and, and so forth, water conservation efforts are not new to this room. What is circular water management. What makes this different? What makes this um, concept different and and moving forward and pushing this dialogue ahead? Yeah, I think it's an exciting area um, because it's so undefined and because there's so much opportunity. So the way that we have approached uh, water management is a three-part strategy. First, focusing on our own operations, as you mentioned, uh, investing in in, uh, water conservation with partners such as Ecolab to reduce the amount of water we use in our operations. The second piece then is going, if you think of concentric circles, that's the inner circle, then going further out are communities. So uh, we're part of a watershed. We have an impact on that watershed. That was the genesis behind our goal that that we made here at Verge last year, that we wanted to restore 100% of our uh, water back to local aquifers. And we've invested in a dozen or so projects uh, this past year to start us down that path. So we're excited about that. And then if you think of the circle going even broader, what can we do as a company, as a technology company? We think there's a tremendous opportunity to use technology in helping others to reduce their use of water, to be more efficient in the way they use water. So for us, that circular water strategy includes those three elements, 
and trying to bring those all together. So I was saying that uh, for Ecolab and Nalco Water, um, circular water management really means taking a holistic approach uh, to move from this consume and discharge mindset to a more reuse and recycle system. We take a look at our customers' operations from an end-to-end and we are able to virtually uh, follow every drop of water that goes through their facilities. And what we, what we do is to use a combination of technology, chemistries, and big data to help them adopt uh, smarter water strategies. And what about in the context of the agricultural system, Michelle? I mean, what, what does it mean for you? Is it much different from, from these comments? Well, we do think of it, you know, comprehensively and, and um, also within a, a context of the particular region. But at Atlanta Lakes, we really, we're really looking at it, conservation is farmer-owned and farmer-driven. And one of the biggest, I guess, challenges, opportunities, you might want to call it, um, I might call it a gap, um, in the food system has been um, a lack of a comprehensive tools for science-based tools um, that not only can quantify results, but also really demonstrate um, sustainability advancement at scale. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we addressed, we took a step back and looked at this gap that was very clear that farmers were really in need of data and insights and information on how to make the best decisions to run their own farm. And we created a technology, a science-based technology platform. Uh, it's called the True Terra Insights Engine. And this new tool really addresses this issue. So we look at, we don't look at water alone, we look at air, soil, and water together, because um, they're all part of how the farm runs. And the farmer, when he's making decisions on his property using this tool and working with the experts, agronomists, is now able to, first of all, uh, understand the profitability impact on his property from, from making conservation improvements, as well as model uh, using the predictive analytics of the system to model various scenarios that then in turn he can use that information to make decisions going, or I should say she can make decisions going forward next year, right? <laughs> so that's a great example in the in agricultural field. Now I want to get back to you a little bit more about that in a moment, but I want to start also with Pedro. Give me an example of what, what you're talking about in action. Yeah, so uh, technology is really at the center of um, our water management solutions. Uh, for instance, we use a wireless metering technology that gives us visibility into uh, water as it flows through the industrial processes, and that way we're able to monitor um, in real time what's happening at the customer plants and, and take proactive measures to help them manage the water. One specific example, for example, is the uh, partnership we have with Ford. Uh, so we have installed these wireless meters across our auto assembly plants, these meters continuously monitor the water flows, but also the quality, and send instant alarms to the process engineers in the plant so that they can act on it real time. In the past, it used to take them days or weeks to find out when there was a problem and, and solve it. That was costing the company a lot of money in terms of production shutdowns and, and waste water, waste energy. In just four months, we have them save about 23 million gallons of, of water, and this is just one of the main initiatives we have with Ford to help them implement circular water strategies. So did that take, a, just to follow that up, did that take a big investment on their part? I mean, like the meters, like what, what, where are they located? 
yeah, so the, we place those meters, think about a little bit of the internet of things, so we place those uh, wireless meters in different parts of the plant, where the water is, so pre-treatment, uh, when the water comes in and has to be treated in the boilers, the coolers, the paint booth uh, consumes a lot of water, and the wastewater plant, so they're all over there, and that, those meters are sending information uh, constantly, uh, we got a team on site 24-7 looking at this. Um, and through this technologies, uh, Ford realizes a lot of benefits, water, energy savings, and also um, money, ultimately. Yeah, so Todd, you, yeah, I mean, you've... you've yeah, I was just going to add, you know, it's been our experience that sometimes we absolutely do need to ad uh, add additional metering to gather additional data. But there are other times where the data is there. It's available. We simply haven't aggregated it and done anything smart with it. And so I think that's the other opportunity is, is for those of you who operate facility systems, go examine what data is already there. And you may be surprised. And it's a matter of pulling that together in a single location, using data analytics, and then you can make decisions based on that. Yeah. You know, he make a really good point. The same situation in agriculture. Um, there's, there's data and there's been information available, but putting it together using scientific algorithms that actually provide insights and actionable you know, things that the farmer can actually do. It's the same situation in manufacturing plants. If you, you have, may have the data, but if you don't have that congregated into a way that tells you here are the three or four things you can do, and then have some sort of ability to predict what the outcomes will be to lower the risk of making these other decisions, the, the data isn't really worth much. You have to have those insights that come out of the, out of the, the technology platforms that we have today. What, um, objections did you meet when you started thinking about this um, in your plants? I mean, Intel has very rigorous water requirements in its manufacturing facilities. So what, what, what did you come up against when you started thinking about how to treat water literally differently? Yeah, I, I think um, the general desire, I, I don't know that we have objections. I'm trying to think if we had specific uh, Objections. I don't. I think it was more around how can we strategically tackle it in a way that there's a positive return on investment for the company. Mm -hmm. So we don't. Uh, although we certainly want to save water, we're not in the business of simply saving water. We're in the business of manufacturing chips and doing that in an economically uh, feasible way. And so I think it's critical that one looks at that holistically. And so it's okay. How can we address this problem or this challenge around water usage, but do it in a way? that uh, we can reduce our costs, improve our yields, and pull all of that together. But you, you have very, like I said, very rigorous requirements in terms of purity and what you're doing with that water. How did you get around that? Like, what did you have, have to do with that water to get to the place where you could, could keep putting it through the system? Yeah, and, it, and it's a, a continual, ongoing basis. I think when I first started at Intel 20-plus years ago, it took two gallons of water to make one gallon of ultra-pure water. Today, so you know, what's said about a 50% efficiency. Today, uh, our efficiencies are over 90%. So um, we're almost at a one-to-one. -one. We're not quite there yet, and, and maybe never will be because we've got to remove the impurities. But um, as we work with partners such as Ecolab and other partners that we have, the technology continues to improve. We can continue to utilize it. And, and then the other thing that we've learned along the way is what can we do with the water that's not as pure? Well, we can reuse that in our facility systems. We can use that in systems where you don't need that same level of purity that you need for water that's physically touching the semiconductor wafer. What other stakeholders need to be part of this, right? So we're all private sector here. 
public sector, they water utilities and so forth. Who else needs to be involved and what data do they get to see? Yeah, so water is truly a shared resource. So your water management practices have an impact well beyond your fence. So that's why it has to be tackled within your watershed. So uh, while it's a global problem, uh, it's important to understand that the water stewardship needs to be understood in the local context. Um, because a problem in a location or watershed can be very different from uh, a problem in another one. So definitely re reaching out to other water users, uh, whether it's the communities, agriculture, as we discussed with Michelle, or other industrial users is very important. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a collective problem that requires collaboration. So this is a really interesting concept about who are the stakeholders. I hear this all the time. So in the food, the food value chain, the stakeholders are everything from the farmer through the, the um, agricultural co-op that collects the grains to the food company that makes the products to the consumer. And that data is important and provides value to each one of those stakeholders in its own context. So providing the data collected on the farm, the insights back to the farmer provides the economic value to him so he can make the decisions. The food company partners that we partner with that make the products that the consumer sells now have data and information that can substantiate their own sustainability goals and objectives. And then it gives the consumer the information that they are looking for to understand how their food was grown, that they can make their own, use their purchasing power to make decisions. So what we're really trying to do is knit together that incredibly complex value chain from farmer all the way through to consumer with everyone taking their own piece of interest, I guess, along the way and leveraging the information that's coming out of the insights. Yeah, and if I could, could add to that, as we've expanded our um, water conservation efforts beyond our own, the walls of our factory and into the watersheds more broadly outside of uh, Intel, uh, we've done several projects thus far with uh, various agricultural groups, um, uh, National Forest Foundations, other, uh, many other NGOs. And what has become apparent, uh, very clear is there is opportunity for dollars to flow towards water restoration that result in far greater impacts to the local watershed than what we can do alone as a company. And so working with uh, nonprofit groups, working with uh, for-profit groups like the agricultural industry, but other industries as well, and then government agencies, uh, there's an opportunity, I think, and we talked about this in one of our lunch discussions, to create a framework whereby, uh, a market-based framework whereby money is drawn into those areas where it can save the most water, conserve the most water. There's big opportunity there, and uh, I think it's pretty exciting, and, and those here in the room uh, can help make that happen. We've talked about the role of data in, in making this happen and, and real-time information and so forth. What other technologies are going to be instrumental in the circular water movement? I mean, Let's start with you, Todd. I mean, what, what other investments have you had to make? Yeah, so um, one area that uh, we've begun to make an investment on as a company is in smart agriculture. And so uh, some of the, the projects that I talked about that we're doing in the community, uh, we're actually working with the agricultural industry and in, in embedding additional sensors, understanding the moisture content of the soil, and optimizing the amount of water that's actually used to grow crops and, and not just grow crops, but doing it in an optimal manner. Hopefully, uh, optimally improve yields while at the same time using less water. So I think in general, technology 
it, it's, it's, you know, one of these, if you create the building blocks, you know, if you build it, they will come. Create the building blocks and very smart people figure out how to use those building blocks to, uh, to accomplish quite a bit. Yeah, so I mentioned our wireless meter technology, which we call 3D Tracer, that gives us visibility into the water flows. We're currently actually taking it to the next level, so we're going to be uh, launching a cloud-based platform that pulls data from 40,000 water systems around the world. And because of, you know, we got all this information uh, across different industries, different plants, we should be able to identify patterns that were not obvious before and come up with uh, solutions to problems before they happen. Um, so this is one area where we can harness the power of big data and machine learning. You know, your question, when I think of how food is grown, and I, I equate it sometimes, I'm an old manufacturing um, engineer, I think about manufacturing plants, you've got raw materials you acquire and you utilize, you've got quality systems you've got to manage, you've got employees and equipment, but in a farming operation, agriculture, you have all of those things. In addition, you have the complexities of biological systems, the microbiomes within the soil and trillions of organisms, which we knew nothing about, you know, a couple of decades ago the interactions of those, and then the forces of Mother Nature that can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And creating that ecosystem that is able to tolerate extremes in weather and understanding, using technology and science to understand how all of those systems work together. Where we are today is light years ahead of where we were a decade ago, and I imagine another five years using that science that we know, um, combined with the information we're now getting from the technology and sensors and AI tech, all these different things, we are going to learn so much more about how to effectively grow enough food to feed the planet and improve um, the livelihood of family farms around the world. Yeah, so you, you've actually mentioned this several times, how important this is, is, is a business imperative. So I, I would like to have the, the, the sort of last question. I mean, obviously it's a planetary imperative, but it's also a business imperative, yeah. right? And it needs to be to get people to pay attention. That's the reality of it. Why is now, um, why are we on, the, on a different playing field or plane right now than, than we have been? With business? With this issue, why is, why is it that we need to, like, really, okay, maybe conservation work. You know, it, why is this issue of, of circularity the way we have to move forward? Well, we're on a trajectory of 10 billion that we need to, you know, from my perspective, that we need to feed. And how are we going to do that utilizing the resources we have more effectively, more efficiently? Um, and those solutions really need to come from partnerships, but the businesses of the world really are where the innovation, I believe, needs to come from. So embedding this into our business to find these solutions that can feed the planet, can give consumers the products they want, as well as continue to innovate in ways that protect our natural resources, I think is the most critical thing right now that we can put into our business models. You know, I would say that uh, businesses are just starting to understand now the risk posed by water scarcity, uh, scarcity and quality to their, to their growth. Uh, we just did, a, in 2017, uh, a survey with Greenpeace uh, that show that 75% of the corporations have water-related risks, yet uh, only about 20% feel they have the, the tools to address and, and make sense of the data. So I think they're getting there, and the good news is we do have the technologies and solutions to help address the problem. Yeah, I think that's the piece that I would add is, you know, a few years ago it was, it was all talk, it was pilots, it was proof of concepts. The technology's there today. They're viable solutions off the shelf that I know we're implementing, others are implementing, and uh, can help us on that journey.
Great. On that note, we're going to close this off. But thank you to Michelle, Pedro, and Todd for being with us today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Todd Brady of Intel, Pedro Sancha of Nalco Water, Michelle Wiley of Lando Lakes, and Green Business Editorial Director Heather Clancy talk about circular water management and the digital transformation at Verge 18 in Oakland in October 2018. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.